Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? You caught me daydreaming a little bit. It's uh, it's Thursday. It's July 16, and I'm hoping Sally Wigan is on the other end. Sal? Hello? She's no, she not there yet? Well, phooey. <laughs> well, I'm wondering. Okay. It's not necessarily a good sign, but Sally is often late. Um, I just, uh, I, I don't know where to start as usual. I had really been looking forward to just talking to Sally today. Um, let me text her really fast and, uh, and see if I can scare her up. Um, okay. Uh, it's hard to talk and type. Are you calling in? Thank you. There. Okay. We'll do the best we can there. Uh, so, how are you guys? <laughs> I keep telling myself I've got to sort of get more, find a new tone. Um, but and, and I just read a piece in the, I think it was in the New York Times, about how we can uh, pull away from uh, scrolling through uh, horrible news and the impact it has on our on our psyches. And uh, you know, two two paragraphs in, of course, it says meditate, meditate. I I meditated yesterday, and I told myself I was going to try to start habitually doing it. Um, it does help. I, I sort of learned how to do it uh, a few years back, and I found it really helpful. Um, and then I stopped doing it, which is pretty odd. Why does why does one stop doing something that that first of all you think is having a positive impact, and second of all, even while you're doing it, generally you you enjoy. I don't know. So I'm trying to get back uh, into it. Uh, creating a, a habit is uh, is extraordinarily difficult when it's something that's good for you. Uh, creating uh, a, a habit uh, that is something that is bad for you is extraordinarily easy. I have found I got tons of bad habits. I don't have a lot of great habits. So Sally's calling in as soon as as soon as she's there. I'll uh we'll get her on. Okay. Um Okay. So uh just let me know uh when 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 she's there. God, I hate having to handle. I'm 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 handling uh too many I got two phones, uh two screens and and I'm I'm not I'm you know, I'm an old baby boomer and we didn't multitask much. Not like not like people are capable of doing uh today. So, um speaking of uh aging baby boomers, uh of which I definitely am uh one. Uh, there was uh, an interesting piece I read that um, I've often wondered about myself. I've noted it. And uh, the headline said it all. So I immediately thought, well, you know, we are, again, exceptional, talking about this country. And the headline is, it's not just you. America's leaders are getting older. And I have brought this up before in time when clearly uh, youth is energizing so many areas of, uh, of our discourse. It is so bizarre that the two oldest white men ever are who is running for the presidency. Sally, 
I'm here, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Now, say, I'm in my car in the parking lot of Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> is this... <laughs> Is this prior or post having gotten your donuts? Post. I'm eating it. I took a bite just now. Well, you can, You okay. Um, how many did you get? Just one, Boston cream. <laughs> and then I got, I, I tried that. I was going to get a Starbucks. I thought I would get home in time to do this, but I, I didn't because I, I, I could not, I suppressed this desire for a an iced latte, but the Starbucks line was too long. Dunkin' Donuts, I'm just giving commercial time to all these places. Yeah, anyway, well, I, well, I want to I want to get in. I want to jump into what you were talking about. These two old men, two old white men. So, yeah. So I, 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 so so fill me, catch me. Well, up. I mean, yeah. I it, it is bizarre because you had you know these. Uh, we have a time now where the country and, and our hope is in the young people. And look at the two oldest people. To Either one will be the oldest president. I mean, Biden, my God, is, is older. Trump was 70 when he took office, which was the oldest president to take office initially. And Biden would be 78 so in that regard, we're moving in the wrong direction. But what's bizarre and what I was wondering about is we are the only country that is doing this. All the other countries of the world are embracing people 30s in their 30s and 40s to run their countries. So it is whoa, bizarre. Whoa, 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 whoa. How old is Angela Merkel? All right. She's, come not, on. she's not a spring chicken. No, now, no, how no. Is, how old is Macron? Macron is probably in his 50s. Okay, let me just say name. most of them are. Twi- I'll give you Macron and, and, and even Merkel. But the reality is, is America's president will be a good 20 years older than almost other world leader but 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 i mean they have been saying that he only plans on on being there for one term that there are people who are say are 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 are, um guessing that he or or at least have heard that his plans are are not to necessarily run again and that that's why this choice for vice president is so important yeah one of you the things, that, right? well, yes, but yes, but one of the things, we've heard it, it hasn't been, you know, he's never said that. Biden has never yeah. said that I will only serve one term. But I think that's what everybody's thinking. <laughs> of course, I don't know many people who once they ascend to the presidency step away uh, voluntarily from it. Well, I you might say... Johnson LB. stepped away voluntarily. Who did? Johnson voluntarily. That's away. the only one I can think of. Yeah. And he did yeah. in part because he saw, you know, uh, he just couldn't tolerate the uh, the climate or the the hell that would uh, would break around him. I don't know, but they say that some of this might have to do with how screwed up our politics are. In that, um, well, I don't even want to, I, you know, I, the reality is they say that we are uh, a gerontocracy. We are ruled by old people. And look at the Congress. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I'm old. Well, yeah, but uh it's clear that we're welcoming in these young people, but um, boy, I'll tell you, I, I'm sick of the older ones. I'm sick of them. I want Wait, them. Okay, go okay. Away. Now I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not do, doing this because I do love young people. Oh my God! I have. Oh wait, a big piece of donut that dropped on my my pants. Just a minute. 
Um, um, I'm making a mess of this. Uh, and I'm trying to be serious. Um, I love young people. And I, I, for instance, my godchild, who is the closest thing to a son that I have, I, 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 I think sometimes he's not realistic about what can be accomplished, but his youthful enthusiasm about, about this is, is, is refreshing. And I have great faith in, in, in our younger people. And uh, it, it, it makes me excited. At the same time, I've studied cultures in Asia that revere older people. And, 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 and when you, there have been great, well, they've been rulers and they've been monarchs, but who have ruled well as, as well into older, older years. So I, I don't, but, but I know that there have been studies that say that someone in their late 70s is not as capable of making quick decisions. They're not as facile. They're not as quick on their feet as if they were in their 50s. And, but, and but they can, 50s. yeah, but, you know, individ, I mean, we're all individuals. So that that is true of some. I have met some 90-year-olds that are sharp as a tack and would put them up against any 20-something I know. So it, okay. it does Okay, well, well, then you're just, you're arguing, you're arguing with yourself. So, no, that age doesn't really matter. But we have, if you look at the, I mean, if you read this article in the New York Times, we are um, exceptional in the fact that our political power rests almost solely with people over 70 years of age. And we are, and what's interesting, Sally, is we are not a country that in any other way prizes or respects old people. No. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. You're, that, that, you're absolutely right about that. Um, um, but look, but wait, it, it gets even, I, this just backs up what you're saying. So many of these young people who became part of the process during the primary and last year, we're supporting an old white man. Yeah, Bernie they Sanders. sure as hell were the oldest white oh guy. Oh my god, I mean, my godchild, my godchild was all about Bernie. He wasn't sure yeah. he was going to vote, and I'm like, you. I said, I'm going to drag you to the polls by your hair if you don't vote in this election. Yeah, yeah. And he, re he realizes it now. Last year, but I do think they have a sense. <laughs> but but I, I, you know, which is so because we are. We were always looked at as the country that worshipped youth because we were a youthful nation when you looked at industrialized, the industrialized Yeah, and we still world. are. We still are. We're, but, but, we're, we're, we still are in short pants as, as, you know, nations go. We are young as hell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's true. But, 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 so I am not, I, I don't, I, I don't understand why. And why did we not, when other, when young people have run, why has, why have either party, well, I can see why the Republicans haven't, but why has the Democratic Party not embraced them? Because what, who, who was young? Uh, um, are you still well, there? You know, wait, yes, but you know the way it works. Well, you know, I was it, looking at who were the young people that were running in the Democratic Party? Who well, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, I mean, you've got Beto O'Rourke, Buttigieg. Buttigieg yeah. You got, you know, OCS. Cory I mean, Booker, Cory Booker. Yes. Booker. Lots of them. They were a ton of young How old ones. is Kamala Harris? How old is Kamala Harris? Is uh, she's me? young enough. And, you know, and, and y yes. And they were re refreshingly, um, yes, new. But well, how old was Barack Obama when he was elected? Really 48? young. 49? No, 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 no. He was at least 40. I don't know. By the way, Macron is 42. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a baby. He's a baby. I and then all of, all of these, you know, incredible women who we hear about, uh, you know, in New Zealand and in, I think, uh, Finland. Well, she's an amazing. She's an amazing. They're in their 30s. <clears throat> They're in their 30s, you know? Well. And, um, well, look, this is the last gasp of the gerontocracy, the, my guess is. Um, we're going to have I to. Agree. I agree. 
hand this over. I mean, Biden is so so old, he's not even a baby boomer. He's not? No. No. He's, in fact, a member of what was called the silent generation, that group in between the greatest generation and the boomers. And the boomers. Oh my yeah, goodness. and not one person from the silent generation I saw, and I can't believe this is true, was ever elected president. Is that possible? Is that you mean possible? even when they were young, and even when they were young, they were not. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Anyway, I think. Um, Wait, wouldn't John F. Kennedy have been the silent generation? No, he was the greatest generation. Oh, that's right. He, he, oh my, he's my God, father's I'm, age. I'm, I'm sorry. That's right. He was in World he's War. He's frozen II. in time as a as a guy in his forties. <laughs> Isn't that true? That you like, yeah. that's a perfect description. Well, it's interesting. I have not seen. I, I normally read the New York Times online in the morning, but I had a, a vet appointment. I didn't have a vet appointment. My dog did. Um, I just sound like I'm going to the vet for a doctor. Um, I'm going, I had a vet appointment that was really early. And so I had to get him in the car and I didn't have a chance to read it. So is that in today's New York Times? Yeah, it is. Okay. So your dog's um, hanging in there, huh? Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, you know, they, um, I, I took him to see, and, and this neurologist is, is, is brilliant. I highly recommend him if you ever need one. He, he's at uh, Dr. McKillop at um, TVSEC, and he's become a good friend. And I just, I, I, I was afraid that I wasn't making a good decision. Um, I, you always question yourself when the time is. And I mean, I, 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 I took him, I mean, listen, I, I told you a story, didn't I? I took him to be put down. Yes, you took him to be and put I, down and you, I, you stopped and I it. Told him to take the, yeah, I stopped it. I told him to take the catheter out and I said, I'm not doing this. This is, uh, this is not the time. Then I felt embarrassed and I looked at Ed, Dr. McKillop, and I said, do people do this? He says, once in a while. And then I got in the car and I was so excited. I ate, I ate to have that big chicken salad sandwich at Arby's and uh, I spent my life at fast food restaurants. And then a cookie, and then I promptly, as I'm driving home, just started vomiting it up all over me. And in the will you stop? Just stop. It was awful. Anyway, so let's go back to politics. But anyway, that's where I was this morning. And he said, he he said, he said, I my dog has a, a a very it's a horrible disease. It's like ALS. And it's called degenerative myelopathy. But he said he's he's getting around, he's compensating, and he said he's he's not no longer ambulatory from behind, but he still can drag himself with his front. And as long as he's in, and he said, but he looks like he's enjoying life. He said he doesn't want a, a sling. He won't let me put a sling on him, and he and he doesn't like you to move him around. And he's he and they tried to get him to lie down, and he's kind of like warning you, you, I don't want you to do this, and. Uh, but he said, other than that, he said, I, I think he's doing well. And he said, and so I was really glad that I, I did make the right decision because I get so upset when people keep animals alive too long because it's for them and not for the animal. I think right. we need it's, to be really, it's a tough it's a call, though. Decision. It is. It's a horrible call. And I've done it a lot because I've ended up with dogs that are older, that are retired. Mm-hmm. So right. I have them less time. So it just seems like... <laughs> I mean, six months ago, I put a dog down. It just seems like I'm constantly putting dogs down. It's just very depressing. Oh, it's but awful. I, I mean, I'm a good, I'm, well, I'm a good retirement home. I'm a good retirement home. So anyway, uh, um, uh, but you have the greatest dog in the world. But we should go back to presidents. I mean, I mean. Uh, <laughs> well, um, um, leave the presidents to hell with them. I'm, I'm, I'm. No, by the way, no, no, no. Kamala Harris is uh, 55. Well, fifty-five seems young. God, does that seem young? Isn't that funny? It does. I would give anything to be fifty-five again. Ah, yeah. Now, now, but um, well, I I don't know. It's it's. But we always. I would be interested to see the ages of other monarchs or leaders in the past. Uh, uh, 
But actually, our median age is much older now. And the ability to be fit and, and, and eat well and has, has you know, lengthened our, our uh, uh, cognitive, uh, um, our cognitive, it's lengthened the time where our cognition is still good and, and, and you're functioning at a high level. I'm not part of that group, but, but other people <laughs> are. And well, so, so, I mean, too many donuts. Too yeah, many donuts. So I want to, um, I want to just move on to some other. However, good, good. All right. You just th- keep throwing them out there. I am. I'm going to keep throwing them out there. Um, <clears throat> God, my, I've got a deep voice today. I don't know if something's wrong in my throat. I, um, there's also have you been uh, dreaming that I've been dreaming that I have the coronavirus. Well, have sure, you, you know, you have these anxiety dreams. There's no doubt. Okay. There's no I doubt about it. In, all right, move on, move on. I'm sorry, I had to. Okay, well, you know, you have dreams in which people aren't, you know, masked, and they're, you know, you're, you're even watching movies or TV, and you see crowd scenes. You get like, no, no, don't stop it. <laughs> Don't hug. What are you doing? Can't hug that person. Um, I mean, the way we used to live just looks so dangerous now. So I am looking at a that, God, my voice that was taken somewhere in Utah, I believe, Utah County. And um, it's where the school board was meeting or some governmental body was meeting to discuss opening schools and Mm -hmm. Sally I am looking at a packed standing room only uh, room people lining the walls cheek to jowl and almost nobody is wearing a mask almost nobody is wearing a mask and what happened was the 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 council, whatever whatever this group was, um, adjourned a county commission. They they refused to. They said, "We're out of here. Not going to have this meeting." Good, good, good for them. But but you know, it it you your first reaction to that is you want to just punch them all in the face. Well, that may not what be is your... with these? I mean, how stupid do you have to be in Georgia, which has which has you know spiking all over the place? You have mayors of cities, Atlanta included, um, <clears throat> ordering that all people wear masks, and you have their governor yesterday issuing an executive order nullifying any local mask mandates. What? What happened yesterday? Yes, you have Republicans in power as governors and presidents (coughs) actively working against the public health and endangering the lives of countless Americans. Well, but 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 has, has Arizona finally mandated? I think Arizona Arizona. Well, has, you know, you're at the depending on where you live, you're at the mercy of. Well, I think Arizona um, initially did not have any, and now he. I think he finally did mandate it because the number of cases they have is is. Well, but, can but you? Here's were, the thing. I what is I with these well. Well, one of the th- I read an article and it, it really it gave me pause because one of the things you want to do is you want to shame people, even if you're just mentally in your mind shaming them when you're watching the news reports or you or you see them. I was at an I was at a place and I'm not going to say where it was, and I would say sixty to seventy percent of people didn't have the masks on, and I felt like I was running, I, I felt like I was running a gauntlet trying yeah. to get away from. People yeah, and and moving as fast as I could, but I read an article. I think it was in the Atlantic. I can't remember where about the psychological, uh, um, uh, the psychological need 
that is really counterproductive to shame people or even mentally shame people, you know, just in your head about who are not wearing masks because that's not productive. And so I'm trying very hard to understand one, one, they said one of the reasons is there's been, they, they claim that there's misinformation, but the answer to that was, and then this just makes me more upset with our educational system is that initially they didn't know about, initially they did tell us, one of the reasons they were telling us not to wear masks. Mine, they were telling us because they, they wanted the front line. Them. They needed That's to save right. them. They needed That's to right. save them for the front So line. they were not honest they, with us initially. And well, but they also didn't know how incredibly <clears throat> contagious they were. They did not. Yeah. They didn't mean it. And so, and so, so now, now that they know, and so people are, well, well, you didn't tell us at first, you lied to us, so you're lying to us now. And that show, one of the one of the pieces I read showed there is an ignorance in our country. But, right, but let we, me just we are, insert. We are, we are a stupid nation. Yeah, we are a stupid nation because because we have refused to fund education, public education. I agree and, with you. I agree. Okay. With you. And that has been a Republican talking point. The Republican Party has in modern times, sought to, has brought us to where we are, a nation of idiots who can be led to their own demise. I'm, it's just, I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice. Yes, you are. Do you, do you want me to take over? I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, I okay, wait. Idea. I, no, it's this not. This is really hard. Do you have a glass of water? Drink a glass of water. Yeah, I am. I am drinking water. Uh, well, you know my asthma is, was my asthma was ticking. Well, my asthma was ticking up uh, yesterday, and you I have an inhaler <clears throat> nearby. Yeah, and I did um, a nebu. I did my a nebulizer treatment That's right before I, mean, I right before I went to bed, and um, I don't know if that maybe in some way irritated my throat. I can't figure it out. Whatever, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, you need to stop. <clears throat> No, unless it's okay. listening to me is unbearable. Yeah, but 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 at the at the same time at the same time I don't want to just ah uh, I think I've been I've been watching Hamilton so much I've watched it four times now um, I'm obsessed with it and while it has flaws and and they admit it and it's it's now that it's four years later it's a different time but it it still gives it gives you pause that there were wonderful ideas and there were horrible ideas. But this nation, surprisingly, was founded by a bunch of rich white men. Nonetheless, they really did some amazing things. They neglected some things that were horrid and awful. And even those who were against slavery didn't have the guts to stand up to the southern states because they wanted to make this union. And, and you see how it was imperfect, but it was still what, what Obama says when he invited them to the White House, what he says about this country, it has to, it keeps improving, it keeps improving, and it does. And, and, when, when, and so with all of this mess that we have, I still have great hope for this country. I know I'm going to start to cry. Don't you, cry. Your donut will get soggy. <laughs> No, but I, I, I really do, and I think it's... it's well, I have, I, less, I, I have I, less hope. I have less hope, I do. Well, I because know, I we, know have, <clears throat> we have leadership. Listen to this. I'm going to quote. This is Rudy Giuliani, who, in our lifetime, we actually looked up to for a while, didn't we? Yes, we did, especially after 9-11. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. He, he, uh, led, he led well after 9-11. You yes, yes. Uh-huh. Here is what he said the other day about Black Lives Matter. They are going to, ch they are going to take your property, and they want reparations for slavery. Um, this is not... This is not spontaneous. This is planned. This is one of the cores of Marxism. And no private property. 
They want the government to have it. And they're going to take it. Black people will get it. And they'll also get to choose the property they want. And that's the reparations. Except it'll include back black people that came from the Caribbean. And it's going to get paid by white people who never had anything to do with slavery. That's Rudy Giuliani now. And do you know how many millions of Americans take that in and believe it? So you have people actively working in this country to misinform, to sow hate, to sow bigotry, to sow racism, anti-Semitism, and they're growing in number. They're a good uh, third of the country. I, I agree with you about that anti-Semitism is growing, and I, I, I'm terribly, I'm really horribly alarmed about that. I, I agree with you, but look at the numbers about racism now. There's a there's a, a large majority in this country that believe Who? that systemic relations, yes, systemic that. racism has existed for a long time and needs to be corrected. That's I, right. I mean, did you see? Did you see what Asheville, North Carolina, has done? Did you see what they just did, their city council? Yes, I did. They, they passed. They passed a they reparations passed bill. They to begin to give reparations. But they can't, I, they can't figure it out. But, yes, they did, and that's amazing. That is amazing. But there's going to be a lot of sort of shows of support and understanding, and we have to see where it leads. You've got the it's Julie, not that, but I but, feel, you, but I'm 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 hopeful that that it can lead in a good. But you have, but mean, Sally, you've got these Giuliani's and Trumps and Fox and all the right wing media, which is all of radio, and they are going to actively misinform people about all but, of this. But but, but listen, Lan, the majority of people who watch Fox are in their mid to late. 60s and 70s. That is not a demographic that's going to be around for a long time and that's going to have an impact so much on policy. So, so we just you just have to hang on and let these No, we've been waiting. That's that's what we've been saying. I've been waiting for people to die and 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 they'll take us down before they do. Hey, listen to this. I have another quote here. Let me let me get this quote in. This and is I have, from, after you say this, I have something very important to say. Go ahead with your oh, quote. Okay. No, you better say yours because mine is going to no, change. Go ahead. You say yours. Subject? Okay. You were talking, he was talking about what Giuliani talks about. He said they're atheists and, and so are Marxists. Do you know what's interesting? The demographic that probably is the most spiritual and has more Christians than any other demographic the African Americans. That's true. Their faith, their Christianity is very strong, and right. and, and 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 so that that's so. What he says, you can just shoot a hole in it right there. Oh, I shouldn't have used that. That image. well, you can yes, but you can. You can destroy almost all of their arguments if anyone yeah, will listen. But I, I just wanted, I just wanted to point that out. Okay. When I When I sometimes. So, so, so anyway. Okay, so ahead. my, I just wanted to share another uh, wonderful quote from somebody who has the ears of tens of millions of Americans on a regular basis, you know, more even than Rudy Giuliani. And this is a Fox News host, uh, Brian Kil- Kilmeade. Is that how it's pronounced? I guess, yeah. He's one of their, yeah, big ones. And this is a quote from. Two days ago, one group that's living large these days is the San Francisco homeless population. You gotta be kidding me! No, no. Uh, uh. Okay, can you even in a okay? You've got a really good head. Try to possibly fill in what the hell he could have been talking about because he flat out said this. I'll give you the full quote. Millions of Americans have had to make huge sacrifices thanks to this epidemic, 
But one group that's living large these days is the San Francisco homeless population. Why? Because they're being fed? They're being brought in? No, they're being given... They're being given hotel rooms. They're being put in, here's what he says, the city is putting many of them in fancy, I'm sure, hotel rooms at taxpayer expense. Of course. To keep them from spreading the virus. And I'm sure it ain't fancy hotel rooms. But they're, in other words, the government is doing what the government should be doing. And some um, of these people who are homeless or mentally ill and, and way back under a certain president, when they shut down a lot of the state hospitals and they shut down the support of, 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 of funding for those who are mentally ill but didn't have the money, to, you know, the families to place them in, in, in appropriate uh, facilities, and they, they ended up on the streets. Do you remember when that happened in the 80s and we talked about how awful it was? We did stories yeah. about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the, remnant, the remnants of that are still there. Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know what? I'm not going to have... You know, I have a lot of friends who are conservative. I don't think they're my friends anymore. No, I don't see how they can be. How can you... I... I, How can... I can't. I can't. You just don't talk about... You just don't talk about the thing. No, but why? But I mean, they're... I don't know, because people... Politics says something about your values about who you are. But I, I do have a lot of friends who are very conservative. I do. Well, I won't say a lot anymore. Uh, um, um, I, I, it, they, they seem to just have disappeared. I don't, I, I don't get invited anymore to the parties. Good. No, nah, it sort of makes me sad. Well, I'm sorry, but I mean... Th- there's a hysterical story about Dorothy Parker's remains in the Washington Post. Have Have you seen that? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Was it today? Was it today? Remember, I haven't read anything this morning. Um, I think it's, uh, no, it was yesterday. Um, you know, Dorothy Parker was uh, the quintessential New Yorker, right? And you would think mm-hmm. she'd be buried in, in New York. But um, she's not. You know where she is? She's um, buried in the backyard of uh, the Baltimore NAACP. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Don't ask. It's such a long story. And they're planning on relocating their headquarters to Washington, and now there's all this dismay about whether to take Dorothy with them. Okay, all right. <laughs> Wait, what? So you gotta. How do you she, find? How do you find all this stuff? Actually, Susan sent me it, and then I saw it later uh, uh, because I I want, I do look at the at the Washington Post. Anyway. So um, do I. She was, of course, uh, the female member um, of the Algonquin Roundtable with all of those brilliant wits and uh, some of her more famous quotes. uh, The first thing I do in the morning is brush my teeth and sharpen my tongue. (laughs) And she also, she's the one who said this, and I took it totally to heart. Men seldom make passes at girls who wear glasses. Oh, and is uh, the one who said that? I remember. Yes. That. Oh my God, that's right. Oh my gracious. She also said, oh, "I like gracious. to. I like to have a martini, two at the very most. After three, I'm under the table. After four, I'm under my host." <laughs> oh my God, I do remember. And oh then she God. said, if you wear a short enough skirt, the party will come to you. And also, famously, you can lead a whore to culture, but you can't make her think. Oh, 
Oh, that's a little bit. That's well, little that's high. of that's of her age, right? Um, yeah. <coughs> she. Um, okay, so I'm trying to find out. She was a real social activist, so she uh, she stood up for those anarchists, uh, Sacco and Vanzetti. Uh, she raised yeah. money for the legal defense of the Scottsboro boys, those nine black kids who were, of course, falsely accused of raping white women in Alabama. And, um, and she also, um, when she died of a heart attack, um, she, was, she had no family. And she left her entire estate to Martin Luther King Jr. How old was she when she died? 73. Oh, my God. Oh, see, I don't think I'm going to make it to 73. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. And oh, she, I mean, I'm, she, I, 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 anyway, I just want to say that so she leaves her, her uh, by the way, her whole estate was 40,000 bucks. So that's all. Dr. King gets, uh, you know, this notice that he's inherited $40,000 from uh, Dorothy Parker. And to say the least, he was puzzled. (laughs) (laughs) He ends up being killed within months of receiving that money. Oh, my God. And then her 40,000 somehow ended up with the NAACP. She had made no, uh, no, this is, tells us that we need to do these kinds of things. She left no instructions for what to do with her body. And so it turns out that Lillian Hellman, the playwright and good friend, kept Dorothy Parker's ashes for 70, 17 years. And then when Lillian Hellman died, Dorothy Parker ended up with her Hellman's lawyer who kept Dorothy in a file cabinet. (laughs) And then she stayed in the file cabinet in in Hellman's lawyer's office uh, for three years. And then the gossip columnist Liz Smith heard about it. And uh, she did a column saying, somebody, please get her out of that filing cabinet. And Liz Smith suggested suggested that perhaps the NAACP would like to claim the ashes of the woman who had uh, benefited uh, their benefactors. And so that's what happened. And Benjamin Hooks, who was then the executive director, presided over the ceremony with the Baltimore mayor and uh, Dorothy got buried in the backyard of the NAACP headquarters in, um, and, and there you go. And, and, and now they don't know what, for what to do. There's a plaque on the ground in this backyard in Baltimore that says this it's memorial. It's very, it's very, just dig them up. Dig them up, get the plaque, or just take the plaque. Leave them in the ground, take the well, plaque, and, and put the plaque in the Washington in the Washington office. Well, uh, people say, you know, people are disappointed that she didn't end up in New York because that was her home and her first and last love. And where she is now, uh, the, the, the pine trees uh, that are there, their roots have dislodged the bricks in the path, and there's weeds all over um, so I don't know. They don't know quite what to do with her. And, um, you know what she had suggested for her epitaph, by the way, it's another one that what? people have known. And, and this is so perfect for this poor woman who can't find a resting place. She had suggested that her epitaph be, Excuse my dust. Oh, that's, 
that's funny. Well, she, she's, you know, she has a resting place. She has a resting place already. It's, it's you know, it, if you want to believe that, it's in heaven. She has a <laughs> she's in heaven. She would entertain God. She would, she would be great entertainment for God. So I, I think, oh, yeah. oh, that's right. You know oh, what, that's why, that, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I mean, I, I'm worried about cremation because I don't want it to hurt, but I can't imagine being locked in a box underground either. Like, what if you can feel when you're dead? That would be awful. So I worry about that a little bit. You can't feel when <laughs> you're dead. But you don't know. You've never oh, been come dead. On. You've never been dead. Jeez. And I worry about that. God. Um, Jesus. But, but, but okay, listen, you haven't taken you haven't taken any calls or read any emails. We we are being very selfish. Okay, I got a great email here. Okay. <laughs> and and thank God, thank you, Art, because I had forgotten. So you you were laughing at all of Dorothy's witticisms until I got to you can lead a whore to culture, but you can't make her think. And Art would not be happy about that. No, Art. Lynn, here, this will make it different for you. Lynn, he said, remember that that whore statement was in response to a question that was posed to Dorothy Parker. And the question was, Sally, use the, it's not a question. It's a, it's a statement. It's a, it's a, a, a challenge. She was challenged to, quote, Use the word horticulture in a sentence. Oh, my God. Is that not clever as hell? And that woman comes up with horticulture. Uh, You can lead a horticulture, but you can't. (laughs) Do you know what? But see, without knowing that, where that just stands alone, it seems unkind. But if you you put it in that context, it it doesn't. It it just seems clever. Well, as Art says, it's brilliant, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is brilliant. No, it's use horticulture in a sense. (laughs) That's very good. Okay. Well, good good for Art. Good for Art for knowing. Yeah. Thank you, Art. Congratulations, Art. There's got to be some others. There's some others there because I feel like I'm just babbling. That you no, otherwise you would be taking everybody's questions. Uh oh, we've got a, a criticism which I think is correct. Lloyd writes, "Enjoy oh, yeah. you and enjoy you and Sally, but would you let each one of your topics be completed? You're talking over each other." <laughs> 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 This is the way we normally talk, and that's not good radio. So you know what? He's absolutely right, so I'm going to shut up. Finish your No, talk. well, no. Well, we just have to. He says you're both strong women. <laughs> but actually, and, actually, what's so funny is I'm not, and you know that. You know my dating history. I've never been a strong woman, especially when I'm in you know, when I'm dating a guy, I just... Well, well listen, in both may, of... It, it, okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm oh. done. I'm done. Thank you. Well, I have the same thing in many... We both come on like very strong women, and we are mm-hmm. in many ways, Sally, very strong women. We have both navigated our lives successfully, um, in in many many ways, but it is true we are both women brought up in a certain day and age, and we have that baggage of fe- feminine weakness, uh, subservient, submissive crap that got put into our heads, which makes it more difficult for us. Yes, on in personal relationships, but also because of your success professionally, which gave you uh, power and celebrity. And you know this is true. That is worse than having 
zits and buck teeth and no hair to most men. You, that made you somebody they couldn't deal with. Right. And but even I know, if. I know, I know a lot what, of people in this business who have been successful with, with romance and having a family. Well, they got I, lucky. I, well, no, I think that, that if you are women like us, I, and I don't know, if, you are, if you, you're, you're a woman of strength, but you're uncomfortable with how to use it. You don't know how to use it. And and for me, it was, I just wanted to, to, to have somebody, I, I just wanted to have a mommy and a daddy and a baby. That was all I wanted because my father died when I was so young. And, and I just kept making mistakes and part of it was the business I was And the impression people have that you are strong when you really aren't. And I think that mucks everything up. So we got road simply because he wrote you're both strong women didn't he write did he write that yeah he did and we are but we're not all you know people wouldn't believe that for instance i um cannot stand conflict i will avoid it i will um do you think people would think that would be true of me or that i am um shy essentially Socially, no, no, you're, 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 no, yeah. I mean, people don't know that people have to pry you out of your home. I am socially anxious. You've always, you as always, hell. You've always, you've always been that way. You really. Have. I'm a wreck. Yeah. yeah, I'm a wreck. So, and it's not unusual in in a uh, a lot of times when people who are, are like you and me, essentially performers who are comfortable on a stage, but less comfortable in in a quiet, intimate setting, perhaps. That's like a classic, that's a classic personality. I I have a story, I'm not gonna mention who the actor is, but it was a really famous actor. And um, he was in town and was at an event and I was there and, And I went out with a group of people uh, with him. And I mean, I wasn't on a date with him or anything like that, but I was sitting next to him in the car when we were driving. And I was so shy because I I, I still live to this day when I go to a party where there are men. And now that I don't drink anymore, it was why I drank. I I mean, I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic. It's why I drink. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I was so painfully shy, and that's yeah. how I became an alcoholic. But um, so I, at that point, I was in rec- in one of my recoveries. Now I'm in recovery for seven years, but I, I couldn't drink. So I was so shy, I couldn't talk to him. And I thought if I just say something, and then it would say something, it would be really stupid or it would be uninteresting. And I was just, I was brokenhearted that I couldn't, and then I, I, I found out he, someone he had met at the event he, he went out with later, and I'm like, why couldn't I be that person? Why couldn't <laughs> I be that person? Why did I have to be? And that, and that is the story of my dating, of my, of my dating life, is just, just wanting so badly, you know, and, and so, so if, 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 you know, a man would pay attention to me, and, and, you know, and be somebody that I was just so thrilled that, that he even paid attention to me. I know. So me, yeah, I have not, a lot of that, too. Not, yeah, that's, so that's I not know. strong. And I don't know where that no, comes from. No, I know, but it's, a, it's one part yeah. of our lives that got messed with. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you were successful and that you, and that you ended up having a child. And, and it is my greatest regret that I oh. don't have a child. But I... I know. I remember saying, I don't want to be a single parent. I want to have a husband and a child. And I said that in therapy and, and I held to that. And so now I'm here with two freaking dogs in Corona land. I call it Corona land. <laughs> but anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. We're all very lucky. You know what? We're all very lucky because we're not homeless in San Francisco. Hey, you know what? I got to, okay, I'm going to change the subject again. I just got an email from Milt, 
who's a wonderful guy, who, by the way, Milton, I was thinking of you today. I actually thought of you, and I was going to email you and say, are you okay? Because I hadn't heard from you for a while. You know how doing a show like this, I, I, you know, I, you, you, you care about people who you interact with. And then when you don't hear from them for a while, you get nervous, right? Yeah, yeah. Of anyway, Milt says, uh, you probably remember, but uh, in 2013, I sent you a note on Dorothy Parker's birthday. Um, oh, my God. And Tom Sokolowski was on the show that day. And he said, and you and Tom took turns oh, reading Dorothy Parker quotes. And he says, here's, here's the original letter. You and Chris mentioned Dorothy Parker on your yesterday's show. Coincidentally, today is the 120th anniversary of her birth. Um, okay, here's, so he has some of her, her ability to emote particularly the vulnerability of her female character's position in society during the first half of the 20th century in America is remarkable. Oh, so let me, let me read this. He sends this. This is Dorothy Parker writing. I'll call you at five, darling. Goodbye, darling. He was busy and he was in a hurry and there were people around him, but he called me darling twice. That's mine. That's mine. I have that, even if I never see him again. Oh, but that's so little. That isn't enough. Nothing's enough. If I ev never see him again, please let me see him again. God, please. I want him so much. I want him so much. I'll be good, God. I will try to be better. I will. If you will let me see him again, if you will let me, him telephone me, oh, let him telephone me now. Sally. Does that not oh sound? Oh, my God. That's a, well, that, we Does that not sound like that, didn't we? <laughs> oh, my God. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yes! Oh, my God. Isn't that, that unbelievable? Is, that's, that's unbelievable. So you had Tom on the show. Wow. Wow. Well, he came on weekly. And, yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Um, and then. Um, that's a that that, you know watch. What? I need to get that quote and put it on my bathroom. Well, room. I'll send it. Well, wait, there's more here. He's, then Milton says, remember a time in the not-so-distant past when established mores and the non-existence of text messaging and social media relegated young women to waiting endless hours by the phone for a potential suitor to call. And Parker captures... The angst of those seemingly eternal moments brilliantly. As she does. As she does. Oh. It's, it's that, from a, you know a thing she wrote, Sally, just in case you want. It's, she wrote, uh, I don't know if it's a short story or something, from, uh, it's called A Telephone Call is the title. And she wrote it in 1930. 1930. Oh my God! And and that's when telephones were still. Think about it. Yeah, right? yeah. Here's more of oh it. I'm going to give you Sally. I'm going to give you more of it. Here's her, okay. Dorothy Parker. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, don't let my prayer seem too little to you, God. You sit up there so white and old, with all the angels about you and the stars slipping by, and I come to you with a prayer about a telephone call. Don't laugh, God. You see, you don't know how it feels. You're so safe there on your throne with the blue swirling under you. Nothing can touch you. No, no one can twist your heart in his hands. This is suffering, God. This is bad, bad suffering. Won't you help me? For your son's sake, help me. You said you would do whatever you asked was asked of you in his name. Oh, God, in the name of thine only beloved son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, let him telephone me now. Oh, my. Oh, that's, oh, that's depressing. <laughs> you, know, no, you, you, know, you know, here's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm feeling these pains of nostalgia, but nostalgia is supposed to have an element of, 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 uh, a positive 
feelings, and this is not positive at all. This is negative. I'm I'm feeling like I need another donut after that. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. That's how I, that br- is brilliant. I mean, oh my god, that's how brilliant that woman is. Yeah, yeah, was. Yeah. And Milton, I'm not surprised that was your. Oh, well, tell Sal- him thank you. Tell him, well, tell him thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh um, okay. Um, actually, our time is up, but I, I always it get the, the COVID-19 uh, report from Allegheny County Health Department just came in. Our numbers have been so outrageous. So do you want to hear today's? Oh, God. Well, of course I do that because it it does it sort of makes it determines how adventurous I am that day. Yeah, but that's that crazy. That's crazy. Well, so I, it's, I two it. days ago it was three hundred something. Yesterday it was two hundred something, and I have to tell you today is one hundred forty. So we You're have three days where it seems That's to be at good. least going down. But I was at the other day and he said, don't look at the new cases. Look at hospitaliz- new hospitalizations. And this is the biggest increase in hospitalizations I've seen in some time. It doesn't sound like much, oh. but t- the number is 12. And normally it's been one or three. So all these hundreds and hundreds of people who are getting it, some are getting um, very sick, and there's been one more death. So he said, watch the hospitalizations, because that's also a sign of whether or not our healthcare system is going to get overwhelmed. Mm, okay. And um, and the ages today, the age range of these 140 new cases are two years old to 94. And the median age, 33. I saw where a 98-year-old recovered. It was on, I, I can't remember what news, what cable news. Oh, there's, I, there, I've seen 102-year-old, 102-year-old recovered. I was talking to my mom yesterday, and she said, she had just sw- been swimming, and she said, you know, I feel great. She said, I could live a lot. I said, Mom, you could live another 10 years. She said, I know. How old is she, 96, 97? She'll be 98 in um, a month, in three weeks. So she is so she is 97, going to be 98. That's what I thought. Oh, that's amazing. I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll be lucky if I make it to 70. So, Sally, uh, you're going to be listen. fine. You're going to be right, okay. I'll, I'll have dementia probably in two years. Um, no, it's, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 there's everything. I, I, um, I think I may have said this to you. I've been, you know, you read a lot and, and you make some decisions even though it's painful one of the decisions I made, and I'll probably end with this, is that um, I was reading the, the science writer at The Atlantic. I think his name is Ed. Is it Young? Anyway, he's, he does very good pieces. Uh, um, and he, he did a fabulous piece about, you know, the, the, the critical endangerment of the giraffe. But anyway, that's beside the point. So the, he was asked the question, would he eat out? And I, I, I hate to say this because I, we need to support our restaurants. They're small businesses, and small businesses are the basis of the American economy. They're, they're necessary in our economy. And I feel awful what's happening to all of them. But nevertheless, he said that no, until the end of the year, at least, he would not eat out even outside of a restaurant. He said, because when you eat, you take your mask off. And and sometimes six feet isn't enough, and sometimes six feet isn't really six feet. I mean, I look at what's so-called six feet, and I'm like, if you took a six-foot man and, and lay him down on the ground, he would it would be a lot larger space. And then he said being inside, you can't count on the ventilation inside. 
So we said it's just better not to take the risk because there's a risk involved in each. So we, what he does is he does takeout and delivery. Now, is that, to keep, is that enough to keep some of these places running? Probably not. But I, I made the choice. I remember reading the article and sitting there and saying, okay, this is my choice. I am not going to eat out until next year. But that's, and, you know, and Sally, time. Sally, Dunkin' Donuts thanks you. I know. But the other thing is wheat thins. I eat wheat thins every day. Sometimes <laughs> I eat them three times a day. And I order them from Amazon in things of a, a carton of canned boxes of reduced fat wheat thins. It's, I never get tired of them. That's wheat one thins? of the only things that makes Yes, it's one of the only things that makes me happy. Oh. <laughs> my, life, my life is pathetic. It is not. And I, it, you've been a delight today. And <laughs> you do it again soon, and, and we'll try to remember Lloyd's, uh, Lloyd's suggestion that we finish a topic and let each other speak. But don't you think this is how women talk a lot? Yeah, it's true. But I think, no, I think all people talk this way, men and women. The thing is, you're listening to what is a, 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 an invigorating conversation, only you have people who aren't participating in, to, in it listening on the other side. And I think that I'm, I did not, I was not, it's been a long time since I've done this. I'm not cognizant of that. So I, I, Lloyd, I am sorry. I will be the next time I'm on more cognizant of that. For God's sake. See, you did it. You managed to get through this whole hour and did not apologize. Did, I think that was your first apology, <laughs> which was okay. incredible. You have nothing to apologize for. And we all thank you. You're always a delight. Almost always so a you. delight. <laughs> All righty, right. Sal. All right. Be well. I gotta go get some weed then. But yeah, okay. okay. Be well. Bye. Be well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. And I just remembered that I have to tell you guys that I will not be uh, on on Monday. So I got four days here, um, and Monday I, I do have to do a medical procedure. Um, and, and so next week I'll see you on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. Be well, be smart, be sane, uh, and all that. Thank you. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.